0: Mm, so we're going to run the episode now before I get called out any further. <laughs> Please. Yeah. So we settle into the city of bastion uh as i don't know if y'all recall but you uh most recently left off having left old joe's shop you were given uh some time off from the agency both because you just completed a mission and because it was a fairly trying mission uh for lack of a better term right now and so basically uh you each have you each have the day off to do whatever you please in the city of Bastion. I sent you kind of that basic map of places we've already talked about, but feel free to create anything you'd like. Would anyone like to go first? All right, I'm going to be the one who volunteers to go first. Absolutely. So Mordai, on your day off, what, what if you don't mind me asking, what is home for Mordai? Where do you live in the city of Bastion? Well,
1: Mordai, being a criminal as he is, albeit a well-intentioned one, has had to move around quite a lot. He carries his home on his back in his collapsible tent full of wares. Because he has been with the agency these past few days, it hasn't really been necessary for him to carry all of his stuff. So he stashed it in a hole in an alleyway.
0: I see. So you picked up your home. You've probably set it up in another alleyway, similar to what where we first met you while well, you were dealing with um, Weasel Duckburg, who's Name, I forget what you named him. It was equally bad. Um dupson. Flub dupsen. yes. There is no flub dupsen in sight here. Uh, but Thankfully. so you've probably relaxed, you may have gone over your books, your wares, just make sure everything was where you left it. What would you like to do on your day off?
1: Well, I have to say that the deranged apocalyptic ramblings of uh the Daniels men, the men who we found in Raven's Gulch, have still been weighing on my mind, and I want answers as to what they mean. And since they sound almost darkly prophetic, I think the best place to look for them is at a religious institution. So I want to head to the tower.
0: All righty. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that probably for all of the party members, the words of um Daniel Meadows probably weigh heavily. But so the tower is very easy to find, Um, If y'all will recall, in Ravens Gulch, the town you just came from, the tower was kind of a short two, three-story building, not much to gawk at. Um, Things are a little different here in the capital city of Bastion. Here, the tower arcs into the sky just off of the main city square. Um, It is a beautiful, sleek building made of dark, dark stone that basically has an X at the base and then rises up into the clouds. Uh, It is really a beautiful building architecturally. And you do see folks of all sorts bustling around it down at the base, but also in and out of it. You see large wooden arched doorways leading in. uh, And just like uh, the Raven's Gulch Tower, you also see a number of stained glass windows, which from the outside you can tell depict various scenes from various folk stories and religious tales.
1: I'd like to start by circling and examining the stained glass windows and seeing if any of them contain images. Of end times, violence, uh, black dogs or wolves, any imagery like that. The things that the Meadows, uh, Daniel Meadows was rambling about.
0: And are you doing that from the outside of the building? No, I think it's probably best to go in. Um, so you go around that kind of base X, and down here you see mostly the uh, old gods, gods from the old world that are the more kind of, when you think of DD deities are the more traditional gods of the D&D universe. Um, Wow, my brain just blanked on literally all of them. But you see some of wrath and anger that do have scenes of calamity, of war, but nothing that quite matches up with what Daniel Meadows was talking about. As you're moving through the tower, through this first floor, uh, a human man notices you and begins to walk over. He's wearing simple white robes very simple, very basic. They don't seem to be denoting any one God or any one faith in this building. Uh, It seems to be very intentionally neutral. Uh, And this man walks up to you. Hello there. Welcome to the Bastion Tower. How can I help you? Hello, what is your name? So this is the NPC I didn't have a name for
1: yet. Piss
2: McGee. Please name him Piss McGee. Piss McGee. No, Goblin. What the fuck? There's so much wrong with me.
0: Yeah. The man looks at you, Mordai, and goes, Hello, I'm cleric Michael Check."
3: Fuck you! Uh, uh. Uh.
0: I would like to blame L for that name.
3: Yeah. This is my responsibility.
1: Well, cleric check. Um, I've recently had something of a religious experience and I've been encountering imagery that I don't entirely understand. And I was hoping that someone uh, I'd, in any religious order really could offer me clarity and guidance
0: on what it all means. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure you could find someone to help you here. As the head cleric of the Bastion Tower, I do not assign myself to any of the, uh, faiths of any of the gods or deities here that may or may not exist. We house all that people believe in, uh, that I may or may not believe in. (laughs) I'm just imagining a
1: neutral person from Futurama. (laughs)
3: i was i was imagining like a religious version of schrodinger's cat
4: i was imagining a character from wooden overcoats who's the local reverend but is also agnostic
2: i was not thinking anything my head is empty yeah that tracks wow shots fired and we don't even have guns i thought we were talking in character
0: None of you are the only. Mordi is there.
2: Oh Yeah, I'm not here. This is <laughs> what are you speaking? talking about, Hello,
0: is
4: Clearly, there. She's just in the back of every shot of the scene. Yeah, absolutely. never
0: addressed. Just hanging out.
4: Yeah, she's just there, just chilling.
1: So, anyway, cleric, check. Um, I've been seeing imagery of apocalypses and darkness. Uh, days blackened, shattered skies, and black dogs have been weighing on my mind heavily have you heard of any of these things can you point me towards anyone who might know where these are coming from
0: uh he looks at you and just goes ah prophetic visions Mm, yes there's there's a line over there for them if you want them written down um and you do look and you actually see a line of people and a very exasperated looking monk just like writing things down in a book and then putting it on a shelf just to be like okay next okay next okay thank you very much um and there's a line of people who are like oh yes i've seen terrible things um
3: i i have a quick question feel free to cut it out of the podcast later but how many of these prophetic dreams are actually just wet dreams
0: there are no 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 no. there are two bookshelves (laughs) (laughs) no that's worse. and (laughs) one of and you can tell he is and, Mordai, you can see that that monk is sorting the books and oh looks God. much more upset when he puts them on a certain bookshelf. Oh I God. see.
1: That's, that's an unfortunate job, truly. <laughs> <really.
0: laughs> yes, he looks desperately exasperated. Cleric check looks at you, Mordai, and just goes, well, but wait a minute, what was that last thing you said? Black dogs. Um. You see him almost roll his eyes for a second and then regain his composure and be like, you have to be accepting of all. Everyone is welcome in the tower. It's okay. Uh, And he uh, goes, yes, I see. Have you by any chance been to one of the meetings of the Order of the Black Dog recently?
1: No, no, I have not. You seem to have some opinions. I won't ask you to share, since that would clearly go against your job, but maybe you could tell me what the prevailing feeling about them is in amongst the clerics and amongst the city.
0: Yes, of course. It would be wrong for me to judge any of the faiths that are brought in here. Um, you know, people believe in them, and that makes them real or not real, depending on what actually happens in the greater universe around us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will not Most
3: speak. Speeding meaningless statement ever. I
0: love it. <laughs> I will not speak any certainties here. Um, Obviously, everything we do here is a work of faith and belief. So, well, who's to say? Who's um, but... <laughs> <That's laughs> to insane. say? But as I'm sure you know, we gather religious stories and uh, artifacts and anyone can sh- set up a shrine to their local, their like local deity from the old world or someone they may have encountered along the road to Bastion. Um, it's about preserving history and faith as well as embracing new uh, discoveries. So there's a lot of uh, interesting shrines throughout the tower, let's say. A lot of interesting faiths that have popped up in this new, uh, in this new home of ours. So obviously, it's a good thing we built so many floors on this tower. But the Order of the Black Dog is one of those. And he takes a second to kind of return to a neutral face of just like not letting his thoughts show through the statement. He goes, "They are a group of individuals who worship an individual known as the Grim." they have a small shrine set up on floor and he actually pulls out like a little notebook and checks like a guide and goes mm, "floor 14 of the tower the stairs are there if you would like to go look at it" mm. um and yes they travel around the countryside and give talks i suppose i've never attended um they're quite interested in their Deity. Very passionate folk.
1: Well, I think I'd better pay them a visit and ask them about it. Even if it does turn out to be nothing, as most prophetic visions are, I'm sure you'll agree. It's best to put my mind at rest about the subject, I think. So, uh, you said it was floor 14?
0: Yes, floor 14. Um, Hmm. I must say, you have a very level head around the whole prophetic vision thing. Do you mind if I maybe walk with you? See what pops up?
1: I I would like to roll an insight check to tell how suspicious of me this man is currently.
0: Oh, absolutely. Go ahead.
1: Okay. <laughs> Starting off the roll strong with a 19 plus, what is my insight again? Plus one, so that's a dirty 20.
0: Uh, he's not suspicious of you at all. Um, You can tell just with that roll. He doesn't believe that you've actually had a prophetic vision at all, but he is just kind of intrigued that most people who have prophetic visions show up and get in that line or bemoan that they are, like, burdened with glorious knowledge or something like that. Um, and the fact that you've just come in and been like, hmm, saw some wild stuff about the apocalypse, I want to learn more, has, in, has piqued his interest. Um,
1: no, I will wave him off in that case and just be like, "Oh no, friend cleric, check, no need to worry about that. I'm a warlock. Being burdened with glorious knowledge is it's Tuesday."
0: Um, he actually does kind of make a small face at the mention of being a warlock. And and he says, "Oh, I see you have your own beliefs then." Well, exactly. You understand. Far, far be it from me to intrude on any private religious matters. That's certainly not my place as a cleric." Indeed. Me, like, thinks it's about not. that for a second. <laughs> uh, well, if you have any questions, we have Is it? Um, who knows? <laughs> there are plenty of, of, of the uh, acolytes who attend to the shrines make sure everything's clean, that no one leaves garbage around. Um, let them know, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. I will. Thank you so much for your help, Cleric Check. Uh, he nods and then goes to kind of comfort the monk who's writing down the prophetic visions and bring him like a glass of water. Uh, and you ascend the stairwell up the tower. Before I climb the tower, I'm at the ground floor, yes? Correct, yes. Do
1: the stairs also extend down?
0: Uh, not that you can see, no.
1: Okay, that's fine for now. Just wanted to check. All right, then yes, I will climb up to floor 14. This world that needs to invent elevators.
0: <laughs> um, I'm sure those will be coming down the line. <laughs> 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 Morda, you get um, probably like two-thirds of the way. You're on the floor probably nine or ten. When, and it's important to note, it seems like each floor is dedicated to either one or a handful. It's not like every floor is jam-packed. Um, and each floor you ascend, you can actually see most of the floor if there have not been like walls or partitions set up intentionally. You can kind of see everything on a given floor. And so as you're kind of looping around this tower rising higher and higher, you get about two thirds of the way to floor 14 when you stop. Because you see a floor that has some stained glass windows to the outside, not every every floor has windows, some are illuminated by candles, Uh, and this one has a ring of, of seemingly unbroken stained glass window in a circle, letting in a purple light into the room, and you realize this floor is for the Amethyst Amalgamation. We're going to cut to who to. Oh shit! We are going to cut to Blaze. Oh boy! Now, Blaze. As I asked Mordi previously, I am curious. Where do you, what is home like for Blaze in Bastion? What what do you where do you go when the mission is done?
2: I imagine some sort of like small, unassuming, kind of like I guess, for lack of a better term, crappy. Oh, like studio apartment somewhere that they get on the cheap, um, probably, probably not in the best best neighborhood. That's where I kind of imagine Blaze living.
0: Yeah, I can see that kind of a, you know, pretty simple apartment studio. I like that. You know, it's probably one of those places where it's like above a printing press that's very loud and below like a bowling alley or something where you got it for dirt. She like you are living life good because you pay literally nothing in rent um yep so yeah that's your life right now um but so you probably you know arrive home spend the night maybe two in your well as much as you can sleep given that the press is below you start at probably 5 a.m um whenever newspapers start printing but uh what are you doing on your day off once you're rested once you're set up
2: uh well given that place has been having some um some problems in the the rogue department um, and wants to, you know, uh, brush up on on their skills a little bit because clearly they're not winning anyone with their personality. And they're very aware of this. Um, and so want to be less shitty at rogue things.
0: So you're setting out to kind of improve your thievery skills, roguery. Uh, that's much. your goal? Yep, yep. All right. So with the intention of improving your thievery skills, you know, you were trying to practice pickpocketing on the wagon and it did not go super well for you in that last adventure.
2: No, it did not.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So Blaze, you head out uh, early the next morning uh, and make your way to the aforementioned uh, in the original episode, in the first episode. Uh, You head down to the shady part of town. Uh, You pass by the Coral Thief 2, the mercenary bar and kind of rogues bar. And you're kind of wandering the streets in this area Uh, Looking for kind of some opportunities. Finally, you turn down a street that has some life to it but isn't completely bustling. uh, And you figured this could be a pretty good space to practice. Uh, There is, you know, it's cobblestone streets, some simple shops on either side. There's a newspaper stand on the corner with uh, newspapers probably from that morning's printing that woke you up so rudely that morning. You see a baby with a oversized lollipop in a stroller, seemingly unattended. And you see just kind of various folks living their lives. What would you like to do?
2: Piper, why would you tempt me with a baby with a lollipop? No, Blaze is, a, Blaze is, uh, is not going to steal the, the lollipop from you're the baby. Not gonna,
3: you're not going to take candy from the baby? I'm not
2: going to literally take candy from a baby. Blaze is too good for that. Aren't they? They, they want to be a kind person.
0: It is one of those large rainbow swirl lollipops.
2: Oh, I imagine. No, uh, I'm going to forgo the the baby with the candy. Please <laughs> is gonna look real hard at that candy, they're like, oh man.
0: The child man, locks eyes candy. with the child locks eyes with you and takes a big lick of it and is like, mmm.
2: hey, Piper question. How old is this child? Four. Okay, so not really a baby, a toddler.
0: Toddler, uh, so, yeah, okay, toddler.
2: So Blaze is gonna walk over to the toddler and I guess, like, sort of squat down and say, um, hey, where'd, uh, where'd you get that, get get the lollipop?
0: Uh, the, the toddler, not baby, you're right, the toddler looks up at you and goes,
2: yeah, who wants to know? Um, I, I, I'm, I would like to know. I'm, I'm asking.
0: Yeah, I'm having some trouble remembering. Maybe, uh, you could help me uh grease the wheels of that old this, memory of mine is and... this baby this is this a baby a going? I mean, is please hard <laughs> to get distorted
2: by a baby this is the best <sighs> uh um so i have a question for you piper since we're working for the edison agency do we have like a badge or anything
0: uh the ellison agency with l's uh and Thank yes you, you do Am have you do have a badge Um,
2: Great. Uh, Blaze is going to, upon hearing this child's request for essentially a bribe, uh, Blaze is going to pull out the badge and uh, wordlessly show it to the child.
0: The child uh, looks at it, kind of reads it for a second, looks back at you and goes,
2: This child can read? Yeah, Yeah, that's real
4: young for reading.
2: No, no, no. Let them continue.
0: (laughs) Okay, this toddler, it's two words. (laughs) It's it's not like a paragraph. It is two words on the back.
3: This
2: this, this baby
4: knows the words. Let Let the child read until they're in school.
2: Let the the child read until five. Let them read. I don't want to have to pay a child.
0: The toddler looks at you and just goes,
2: "That ain't money, pal."
0: And just holds out uh, his palm and kind of claps it a few times.
2: Jesus Uh, Christ. Uh oh, fine. Blaze is going to sigh deeply and then reach, in, reach into their pocket and hand the child one gold.
0: Uh, the child takes it, bites into it to make sure it's legit, Jesus nods, Christ. and just goes, yeah, over there, over there, and points to the newsstand where you actually do see a jar kind of tucked in the back a little bit full of those large lollipops.
2: Okay, good. good to know. Can I, so quick question, Piper, uh, where'd the child put the, the gold? Is it just still in their hand?
0: Uh, yeah, they're, the, the child is like starting to walk, toddle away from you. Wait, uh, I want
2: to, I want to steal my money back.
0: <laughs> are you trying to do it stealthily or are you trying to force the money away from this child? No, I
2: want to stealth it. I'm not going to force the money. I want to sneak it away.
0: Okay, go and roll sleight of hand and oh I will roll perception boy. for this child
2: side of hand you say well i'm good Mm -hmm. at that um that's a 10 total but it is a child it is a child
0: i'm aware of that i took i took value away from this role uh given that it was a child uh you reach towards this child's hand uh and right before you get to where the coin is silently the kid flicks it up into the air catches it with the other hand and pulls out a very, very small child-sized wand and just goes, Yeah, nice try, sucker. What is up with this for you? I'm enraged. I'm
2: enraged.
0: I'm sorry, I did roll a 17. I subtracted two from it, Jesus but 15 Christ. is still more than 10. It
2: is. <laughs> um, this so at this point, child
3: is just fucking... This is a this, tiny mob boss.
2: Yeah, this is a tiny mob boss, and Blaze is going to treat him like one. Um...
3: Oh no! Don't shoot the child.
2: I'm not going to shoot the child. I don't have a gun. Um, you have a bow. bow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to shoot the child. Don't give
4: them any ideas.
2: No, Blaze isn't <laughs> going to shoot the child. Um, instead I'm lucky
3: hoping that they'll shoot the child.
2: No, Blaze is going to grab the child's arm and go. Um, where where are your parents?
0: Uh, the moment that That's you, how grab- you
3: treat a mob boss. You said you're gonna treat him like a mob boss. You would grab a mob boss and be like, Where are your parents? <laughs> yes, I would. Okay, cool. Very just funny. to clarify.
0: Uh the moment you grab this child's arm, the wand disappears from his hands and he starts loudly sobbing.
3: Oh my god.
0: Um, all eyes in this alley are on you now. Uh and oh you Oh
2: boy, oh great.
0: And you see a, a mustachioed man walk over and just go. All hey, right, what are you doing to my son?
2: Uh oh. your your child tripped and I was helping him up.
0: Roll deception for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I knew that was coming. Let's not use that guy that rolled like kiss. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm not good at deception, but but that is a 15 minus one for a 14, so it could be worse.
0: Uh the man looks at you and goes, oh. Kind of squints a little bit, kind of sizing you up and down. Just goes, "All right, well, thank you. All right, come on, let's get going. Uh, Have a good day." Uh, Uh, The man you do leads the child away, and Blaze, you hear a soft laughter coming from the corner of an alley just off to the side of you. Oh dear! Looking over, you see a elven man uh, watching with what appeared to be uh, amber eyes. Uh, and he smirks slightly and walks over to you.
2: Um, What, what do you want?
0: Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just enjoying the show, dear. Mm, usually when people say taking candy from a baby, it's a sign of easiness, but not for everyone, I suppose. <laughs>
2: um, I wasn't trying to steal candy from the child.
0: Hmm. You know... I can recognize a rogue when I see one, or an attempted rogue, let's say. Um,
2: wow, that's rude, Piper.
0: It's not me. It's this. It's this gentleman
2: who you have created. Continue.
0: <laughs> uh, and he looks at you and goes, "Hmm. So, what was it? You are just very eager for a large lollipop, or you're trying to practice a little bit?"
2: Um things can be two things
0: Hmm, that's fair well you failed at both so Uh, and as he's saying this he's walking close to you and then he wraps an arm around your shoulder and goes you know pal I think I have a good place for you
2: uh, I don't go to secondary locations with strangers
0: (laughs) he smiles (laughs) down at you he's probably a good three to four inches taller than you
2: oh fuck he's tall
0: yeah he is tall he shines you a brilliant white smile and just goes, please, I insist. And we're going to cut to Roslyn.
2: Damn it, I was going to roll upside on this man. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to find out what happens later.
4: Because
0: now we have to talk to Rosalind Fairchild.
4: Yeah, we have to.
0: It's the rules.
4: It is the rules.
0: <laughs> uh, so Roslyn, you know, you've heard me ask this to Mordi and Blaze. But what is Roslyn's home like? I know you do a lot of work at the community center. Uh, do you live in that area? What is home for Roslyn? Where do you go home to at the end of a mission?
4: Yeah, I think Roslyn definitely spends a lot of time with people from the community center. Um, as a refugee, this definitely, Bastion is definitely not a place that she necessarily considers home yet. So I think a lot of the people at the community center are also refugees or help refugees I would imagine that she kind of hops from place to place a little bit um I think right now what was the child from the first one like little Timmy
0: a little Timmy Wilson
4: yes little Timmy Wilson and whoever looks after him I think is where she had been staying right before she joined the agency so I think that would be home right now
0: all righty thank you so much yeah so you're probably there so how was roslyn you probably you got home at the end of the night uh, after that mission uh and little, Tim, little timmy wilson's already off to bed at this point um the home for these folks it's there are multiple families living in the same home mm-hmm. and it is folks you recognize from the community centers little timmy wilson and his mother mrs wilson uh, there's a few other families you see the dr- older dragonborn woman adelaide uh, who you talked to in the first episode, mm-hmm. uh, is there kind of stirring a stew, uh, and she serves you up a bowl. Ooh. But how are you feeling as you arrive home that night?
4: Um, definitely a little tired, but also, also just kind of wary. Rosalind does not trust the way that the four of us were sent off so quickly after the mission, especially because it seemed like Simon and Andromeda were getting into something, and Rosalind's suspicious.
0: So, yeah, Adelaide sits down at a wooden table with you and serves you a bowl and just goes, So, how was the mission? You know, um,
4: it was interesting, all right. It was not pleasant, but it was interesting.
0: Hmm, well, sometimes interesting leads to new doors to be opened.
4: You're right, Adelaide. You're right.
0: Yes, I know, dear. (laughs) uh she smiles at you and goes oh well i am an old woman with old bones so i am going to head to bed but don't stay up too late okay Uh, and she kisses you on top of the head as she kind of walks up the stairs to the next floor leaving you alone with your thoughts go ahead good night (laughs) yes good night dear so the sun has set below the horizon and it is dark out uh you probably finish the stew wash your bowl you know the polite thing to do after someone serves you um and you are left alone with your thoughts on the main floor of this house. Uh, you mentioned a sense of weariness. You didn't like how Andromeda had to sh- uh, shoot you off towards the end. I guess what I'm leading to is, what are you doing on your day off? Or I guess in this case, on your night off?
4: Well, I'm, I think you can maybe guess. <laughs> um, Roslyn is going to head back over to the agency But before she does, she's going to take her thermos of unending stew and top off the pot in the...
2: You're just going to mix two
4: different stews?
0: That's an excellent question.
4: Um, One is a magical stew and has healing properties, so yes.
0: Yeah. As you do, you watch a pour and it mixes in, but it doesn't look like, like oil mixing with water or anything like that where there's two distinct entities. It seems to actually mix in very nicely as you pour it into the pot of stew. Uh, the stew was cooking you know on kind of like an old school stove um, mm. and the fire was actually left on a low it was over coals essentially mm-hmm. uh, meant to stay warm through the night so that it could be eaten again in the morning uh, so you top it off it's still steaming there's actually a, a magical spoon that's just going in circles to keep it uh, in motion so it doesn't get stodgy or th- uh, to, uh, or like so no films develop on the top of it
4: oh so fancy <laughs>
0: You gotta have a good equipment when you're cooking for a lot of people.
4: Clearly. Fancier stew than I've ever had.
0: <laughs> so after topping off the stew, you head out into the night. The city of Bastion is quiet at night. Um, you know, there's always that hum of some folks, especially on the main streets. But as you kind of work your way through, you realize most folks in the city have probably gone to bed at this point. Shutters are closed. And as you walk down the road, shops are putting out their lights almost as you pass by them, creating this eerie effect of darkness following you down the road. Finally, you arrive in front of the Ellison agency. The squat two-story wooden building sits in front of you, a sign hanging above the door. You don't actually see any lights on at this time, as far as you can tell. Would you like just to walk in? You are an agent, so you do have keys to the building, essentially.
4: Um, I think, I think I'll take a look around first to see if anyone's up so that I know what I'm walking into.
0: All right. Uh, so you kind of circle around the building. Will you roll a perception check for me?
4: Sure. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, that was a crit fail. Yeah. Sorry, oh, that was I just a crit, crit fail. fails.
3: Fails okay. are great. You can Pull the real uh, glaze
2: barnsdale there.
4: I mean, I have a plus two for wisdom things, so that's a three, but that was a, a crit fail. I
0: mean, not I mean, crit fails obviously are usually very bad, but I'm not going to go out of my way to punish you in situations where there are not punishments. Um, you do not see anything. Um okay. it is dark, and because you are going from light to dark, your eyes still haven't really adjusted. Mm-hmm. So you're not. You have doubt. You are not sure of really kind of anything positive or negative, but you do not see any lights in the building.
4: Okay. So then Rosalind is going to walk up to the door and open it.
0: Uh, Yeah, it clicks open and there's a jingle as the bells above the door ring, you know, which is designed to alert people that someone has come in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after a pause, you don't hear anything. So. The way the building is set up is directly in front of the door across the room is the little desk that uh, Andromeda's assistant, Simon, uh, would sit at, fill out papers, deal with finances. There is basically that little lobby waiting room, and then the room where you were interviewed off to the side to the left. To the right, there's a stairwell up to the second floor, which, as you'll recall, you had basically your team's meeting space. There were some desks, chairs, things like that for y'all to plan missions. And then Andromeda's office was off to the side on the second floor.
4: Okay. So I'm just going to go right for the second floor.
0: Yeah. You walk up the stairs, no problem. You get there. Uh, There are no lights on uh, and you can see basically it's one of those offices where it's a half wall and then glass windows that separate the two parts of this floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And her office does have director Ellison painted on it in gold letters on the window part. And it is a frosted glass.
4: Is there a light on that she can see or
0: you, there are no lights on at this time.
4: Okay. At this time. (laughs) Is there anything else that Rosalind can hear kind of going around or like,
0: I don't think so at this point. No um roslyn does not hear anything outside of kind of the usual like evening sounds of the city
1: and
4: does andromeda live here or simon or do they not actually live in the agency building
0: uh you do not know however you kind of know based on the layout there isn't to your knowledge anywhere that a bedroom would be okay so you can reasonably assume that they have homes elsewhere
3: okay they're sleeping on the office floor that's why the lights
4: (laughs) are out damn it I've caught them in another late night tryst.
3: Okay. So. Oh my God, that's not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> so no, Ros-
0: I'm just time out. No.
3: <laughs> Yikes. I'm
4: sorry. Oh, I'm Any- a chaos being. Um, so <laughs> Roslyn's going to reach for the doorknob and try to open the door to Andromeda's office.
0: So you reach for the doorknob, uh, it is locked.
3: Hmm. Sounds like you need a rogue. What do
4: I have that could help me right now? I know
3: that or someone with a very large hammer. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's
0: glass on top. I'm not going to pretend that it's like an impenetrable wall.
1: <laughs> uh, someone with a tiny familiar who could sneak into things.
3: So basically anyone except for the character currently trying to break in. Well,
0: it's called think... a dramatic irony. No,
3: no, no. No. Hold uh,
4: on a second. No. I am a druid.
0: Oh yeah.
4: Oh right. Roslyn is going to spend a use of wild shape to summon a wild companion. Oh. And with wild companion instead of um oh wait no I don't have to use wild shape to do that. Wild companion is a new druid thing from Tasha. Um oh, so I- Summon an animal form, spirit, or a fey form instead if I use wild shape
0: for it. Wonderful. And what what form are you summoning?
4: Let's see. You know what? I think I might use wild shape for it to do a fey spirit.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You hold out your hand and focus on natural energies around you. And you watch as these uh, pale, pale green whispers begin to weave themselves in the air until... Sitting in your palm, there is a very, very small form of a fae, which smiles up at you and gives you a big thumbs up.
4: Hi, little one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't do the noise. It sounds like uh, someone whistling, you know, the grass whistles.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's,
0: it, it communicates to you like the little grass whistles, just so.
4: Like the. Um, the.
0: Exactly, but a little sharper, sharper, chirps. Yeah. but it, it responds to you.
4: Could you go check in there for me? Maybe open the door?
0: Uh, it gives you a little salute, very formal, and basically walk, stands up, walks the edge of your palm, and does a very graceful little like, dive doing a foot through air and slips underneath the door in the crack between the door and the floor. After a moment of waiting and you see a little bit of a flash of green light through the frosted pane, uh, you hear a click and the door opens.
4: Excellent. Thank you, little one.
0: It flutters back to your hand and smiles and gives like a little bow
4: on the head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Roslyn is going to take a look around. So tell me about the room. What's in this
0: room? This room is pretty simple. Uh, there's a desk. There's a few filing cabinets behind it. There is a painting on the wall behind the desk. Uh, as well as a couple of small things on top of the desk that you can't quite see yet, and then just some windows. It's very sparse. And would you mind rolling a perception roll for me real quick?
4: Of course. I'm going to use a different dice because this one is going to jail. Um, man, I'm not rolling well. I think Goblin and I have switched dice. Um,
0: that's a five. I'm going to say you still find something. is just not that interesting. You think the office yes. is kind of sparse. It's just kind of like very yeah. simple. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, you can dig around. Um, why don't you, I'm sorry for rolling similar things. Would you roll investigate for me real quick?
4: Yes, I can do that. Much better. 18 plus four,
0: 22. Oh, damn. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a lot of things that are going on in this room then. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you notice that the portrait behind the desk appears to be of a younger Andromeda. She has both of her eyes. And she is smiling on the back of a horse with the sun setting behind her. It's very powerful and majestic. As you circle around the desk, you see a few smaller, um, what appear to be kind of those old-timey photographs, actually, of uh, Andromeda, of a few other folks you don't recognize. And then there's one of a younger Andromeda. Again, both her eyes, no scars. Um, Mm -hmm. And she has this kind of wild tangle of hair, and her head is thrown back. She is laughing and laughing and laughing in this picture. And next to her is another young woman uh, who appears to be half-elf. She is making kind of a goofy face. And even in this picture, you can tell there's a little bit of a bead of sweat where you can tell this person has probably been holding that face for a long time to get it into this photo uh, and is straining to do so. Um, Andromeda's arm is wrapped around this young woman and you can tell it was clearly someone very close to her.
4: Interesting.
0: Uh, You begin to flip through the file cabinets. Uh, and you see two things in there. There is many, many files named things. Uh, you see one that sticks out to you. And it with a 22, it is labeled as the handyman dash confidential in all caps. It has a big red stamp on it as well that says confidential.
4: Yeah. So I'm taking that.
0: Yeah. Even just before you, t- you reach in to grab it, and you realize, unlike a lot of the other files in this cabinet that have papers in them, that have, some have photos, some have random trinkets, it is empty. It is just the outside of the file. Oh. And then you also see a file that says, next team. <gasps> As you reach for it, there is a soft noise behind you.
4: Oh, man. Are you going right. to cut? I
3: <laughs> am going to cut. It's the next scene team us? Is the next team the one she's going to replace us with? <laughs> <laughs>
0: what
3: does
0: that mean? Um, and we are going to cut to Talon.
3: Damn. Yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. Talon, uh, I, I don't want to sound like broken record, but I am very curious. Where in Bastion Tal- does Talon call home?
3: Talon keeps an apartment above the, uh, the Coral Thief too.
0: You live above the Coral Thief too
3: but I don't enter through the coral thief. I enter through like what's basically a fire escape outside. So like the person who runs the coral thief and the person renting you the room are completely different. So if I get kicked out of the coral thief, I still get to keep my apartment, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, the bartender doesn't own the building but does have final say over who is in and or out of the coral thief. So yeah. I definitely think there is that dichotomy. But, yeah, I would say that probably the other mercenaries, bandits, rogues, folks who, you know, attend the Coral Thief 2, are pretty used to seeing you kind of walk outside and just leap over a window and climb up the fire escape. So it's a pretty non-existent fuss when you get home, climb up, pass out. Yeah. The next morning, you're woken up fairly early to the sound of the jaunty piano playing beneath you, the sounds of early morning or possibly very late night bar, te- bar patrons kind of rising up through the wooden floorboards and the holes in the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. What does Talon do on her day off?
3: Yeah, well, she's, she's been under a lot of stress. It's been a week, you know? She has worked some days, to put it in someone else's words. So she's going to stress relief, and she's, she's going to go sign up for a fight.
0: Yeah, so I would say uh, Talon probably goes to the best place she can think of for looking for a fight, which is the Coral Thief, <laughs> it is right downstairs. Yeah, it's uh, real fast. Again, not taking the stairs. I imagine you also leave the building via the fire escape.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. And then I like jump down then go in the door. The stairs are there. There are stairs. Talon just refuses to use them. <laughs> it's possible that she's been specifically banned from the stairs by someone.
0: I would believe that. Uh, and you walk into the coral thief uh, and the bartender kind of Waves at you with a slight grimace on his face as he's not really sure what you're going to do that day. Um, The face of someone who is intimately familiar with you in that way where he sort of likes you, sort of is nervous about what's coming next because he has that experience with you.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he
0: wheels down to your end of the bar. Uh, He's a dwarven man. Uh, And he just looks and goes, good morning, Talon.
3: Morning. Hey, you... You know uh, where the new pop-up fight is? You know, the fighting ring? I'm, I, I'm, I'm putting this out there. There's a fighting ring that pops up here and there. The, the militia keeps trying to, you know, make it stop. So it keeps moving around a lot.
0: Uh, he looks up at you because you are just so much taller than this man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And he looks up at you and goes, no. I definitely do not know what you mean. And he is just winking really hard. Um, He reaches under the bar and pulls out a flyer. Um,
3: The subtlety of this operation is getting
0: less (laughs) and less every single fucking day. (laughs) Um, Well, except you look at the flyer uh, and it does say, um, hit amateur musical night. Come on down to the barbarians yodel. For a smash hit.
3: Yeah, like I said, the (laughs) subtleties less and less every day. (laughs) So I I I I would wink back on other days, but not today. So before talent heads down there, she's gonna pop back up to her room and um grab her hand wraps. Okay, so there are these long strips of non-stretchy cloth that you wrap around your hands to keep them from bending. And they're so much cheaper than actual fighting gloves, and they're versatile. And then she also has a second pair to wrap around her ankles because she fights in bare feet and you need good ankle support You're going to kick people in the face.
0: Yeah, Talon grabs, you know, the necessary supplies, clearly having done this before. Uh, I and- know
3: this not because I sprained both ankles in a fight club at one
0: point. Definitely.
2: Elle, not. when were you in a fight club? At oh,
0: college. I was First gonna say we year. were all right, in fight clubs at college.
2: I wasn't I was, in two
0: of I them. was not. I
2: wasn't in a fight club. So,
0: so Talon, you grab your gear and once again hop down that fire escape uh, and make your way through the city streets of Bastion to the barbarian y- Barbarian's Yodel. You walk inside oh, and the boat it- Hall? Fuck you. Thank you, no, El. Thank you. Um You walk into the barbarian's yodel. Uh, There are like uh, high top tables with bar stools under them scattered through a kind of roughly put together stage with kind of dark blue velvety curtains behind them with a brick wall clearly behind it. There is an orc man with a little beret reading off of a paper looking just immensely uncomfortable as his eyes dart around the room. You've been to these before. You know how it works. You pay no mind to the orc on the stage. You walk over to the wine bar that has been set up and you see, you see a young drow man kind of awkwardly polishing wine glasses, clearly not knowing quite what he's doing. He's not used to it. He eyes you up and down and just nods over to the edge of the bar where you see another person in a hooded robe look around awkwardly and then duck behind a cabinet of wine.
3: Well, I'm gonna. I'm going to follow, but I'm going to do it significantly less suspiciously than heavy hood and cloak glancing dramatically back and forth.
0: Yeah, you just kind of casually lean against the wall and then just slide along it behind it, just like almost yeah. falling into it very naturally. And what right like a be-
3: fucking subtle, per- I can't believe that Talon is the subtle one.
0: <laughs> right before you disappear behind the wine shelf, you just see the drow mouth, thank you, clearly already <laughs> done with the p- other people who've showed up.
3: Yeah.
0: As you mentioned, the tact seems to be wearing down for this group.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you just
3: des- the, the fear of being caught.
0: Exactly. You descend down a rough-shod wooden stairwell into a fairly brightly lit, for how far underground it is, arena. Um, mm-hmm. There's a crowd gathering. You see folks exchanging money. You see uh, folks kind of shouting out names that you don't recognize, uh, and an MC walks into the middle of the ring. Uh it is a gnomish man mm-hmm. who holds up a runestone microphone and just goes, Are you ready to rumble? Oh my god. And you progress you watch, you probably do you get a drink or anything before you enter your name in? Oh yeah. Tell, yeah. It's
3: it's not a strong drink, but it's definitely a
0: drink, you know? you get a drink and you watch the fights as they happen, waiting for your name to be called. It's a tournament style fight this night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a fair amount of waiting. It's not a free for all. It's not just who wants to go next. It's a little more organized that. Um, yeah, like, f-
3: like the locations, the, the organization style changes from moment to moment.
0: I like that. Yeah, I think that's really cool. So finally, it is your turn to go. Nice. Um, you are the second last fight of this first round. Uh, and I'm not going to have you roll to fight. I am simply going to have you, or not roll like a full-on battle. I am simply going to make. How would you like to fight?
3: Uh, bare knuckle. Bare I'm knuckle. Going, oh yeah, no weapons, no nothing. It's just fist fighting.
0: That that is what You're you've just seen so far. Fist
3: people. Mm-hmm.
0: No. So talent. Goblin, I'm gonna have.
3: I, I made one dirty joke, and uh, now I'm being punished for it.
0: It is karma. Yeah. Uh, Talon, I'm going to have you roll in athletics or strength, kind of whatever you just like get a strength attack roll essentially <laughs> to win <laughs> this fight. Oh,
3: you won't believe it. What? I got a nat 20.
0: Yeah, so you walk out into the ring and a light shines down on you. Uh, the announcer says, and in this corner, Talon. And in the other corner, Gnomely. And you do see the gnome. about to die. Yeah, he knows that too. You see (laughs) his face go pale as he realizes what's about to happen. And he kind of takes one step back, looks around, realizes there's not an exit to this ring. There's there's (laughs) one way that you leave, two ways that you leave this ring, winner or unconscious. And he steps forward. A bell dings, you punch him once in the face, and he drops like a sack of potatoes. Uh, Well, that
3: wasn't very satisfying. I'm yeah, cr- need a couple more fights.
0: <laughs> the crowd is going wild, um. But you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You go and towel off a little bit, like wipe your forehead, as people drag Gnomely's unconscious form out of the ring, and the final fight of the first round begins. Uh, there is a sleek uh, Yuanti, which is the snake person.
3: Oh, fuck yeah.
0: Um, that seems to hiss, and it is a rattlesnake, Yuanti. Fuck yeah. Uh, and they seem to be moving just like with twisting forms uh, as the light shines down upon them. And then the announcer goes, and our returning champion, the Black Bandit. And the light shines down on a figure in sleek black pants, black cowboy boots, uh, a white shirt with a black vest, a black mask uh, covering their face, and a black cowboy hat. Fuck yeah. Um, you watch as this person—you can only see the faintest bit of their eyes. Everything else is covered on their face, but they are upturned in a way of a smile. The Yuanti uh, fighter streaks forward as the bell rings, twisting and hissing, fangs bared. And this—and the Black Bandit simply steps out of the way effortlessly, and in a flurry of punches, knocks the Yuanti out within seconds. The Black Bandit raises their hand in the air and then locks eyes with you and smiles. We are going to cut back to Mordai.
1: Oh goody. So last I was left off, I had found a shrine of an entire floor in this tower that seems to be dedicated to my patron, the Amethyst Amalgamation. This is
0: news to me. Yeah, so you have arrived on that floor and that's absolutely right. Um, and you feel a weight on your shoulder. And you realize you're familiar, the little crystal guardian has kind of appeared on your shoulder. And with it, you hear this almost crackling music. It seems ethereal, otherworldly. You don't really know how to describe it, but it is also hard and rough. And do you know that sound of dropping something down a hole bored in ice? Yes. It's that sound of that pinging and echoing and shattering Hmm. Um, and it seems to be chittering next to you and it gets louder as it fills your head and you feel your eyes mist over with purple
1: and you, you,
0: (laughs) you blink once and you are in a tunnel of crystalline amethysts circling around you it extends as far as you can see in front of you and as far as you can see behind you um this is how you talk to the amethyst amalgamation. This is how your patron communicates with you when it communicates directly to you.
1: Does it seem to be saying anything?
0: The lights in the crystal around you flash different shades of purple. And in your head, you hear a voice basically say, Welcome, Mordai. Are you surprised? You know you're not my winning
1: warlock. Well, you don't have to make me feel less special, but uh, yeah, to be honest, I am a little surprised to find myself uh, in, where am I? A dimension of purple.
0: This is me. You are a part of the al- amalgamation right now. Uh, hmm. don't, don't worry, it's not permanent. This is I, just... When I want to speak directly to someone, and I can only do it in certain points of the strongest connection, which this floor thankfully is, I can talk with those who I grant my powers to.
1: Well, you've certainly got my attention. Is there anything you feel like telling me?
0: The tunnel turns around you slightly, and you almost get the sense that your patron is smiling or kind of finds that humorous. And... uh the lights light up again and you hear that same voice just go. Hmm. Nothing yet, but if I just wanted to let you know I'm here and we'll be in touch. Thanks for stopping by. Any time. You blink once more and you are back in the tower. Your crystal guardian on your shoulder kind of nods at you and disappears as um packed patrons or packed um familiars do. And you're free to continue up the tower if you'd like.
1: Fuck, that is terrifying. Yeah, I'm going to continue up the tower. Uh, slightly shaken and disturbed, but uh, still very much concentrating at the matter at hand. Not thrilled that this terrifying being beyond space has direct line of communication with me, but...
0: And I will know is- just to be clear, like, that is only... I what it was mentioning, just to be clear, is that there are only certain places where it can have that direct line of communication with you.
1: Right, right. But the work still needs to get done. So I'm still heading to the was it the Brotherhood of the Black
0: of the Wolf? The, the Order of the Black Dog. Order of the, the Black Dog. Thank
1: Brotherhood you. of
3: the Wolf.
0: <laughs> that would be a very cool name, but that is not what this group is called. Right. The 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 furry shrine. I'm heading to them. <laughs> Uh, You walk up, and they seem to only have a section of a floor, um, but you can tell that it is well visited. As you arrive on the 14th floor, the stone floor is actually worn slightly. Uh, It has been trafficked, uh, and you see a beautiful painting of what appears to be a shadowy black dog standing above tributes, above flowers and candles, It is clearly something that has been visited a lot that a lot of folks have paid pilgrimage to. There are also, like, coins and little gifts that are, like, handmade as well.
1: There isn't anyone visiting it at the moment, is
0: there? Uh, There is not at the moment, no. Okay, are there any acolytes around on this floor? There are not, but there are bells at kind of the entrance to each floor so that you could ring to summon one pretty quickly if you'd like, so there can be one pretty much instantly. Yeah, I will ring to summon one. Uh, yeah, one shows up. It's a half. Michael el- Check. It is not. It is not cleric Michael Check. Um, because 14 floors that quickly would be a lot for him. No, it's a, a young half elf individual. They have sleeked back, um, kind of brown hair that's clearly seen better days. It's frizzled. It's tangled. Uh, they have large round glasses, and they kind of go, Oh my goodness! Okay, I need to work out more. Hi, hi, welcome to the tower. Oh, how can I help you? Well, this person's a delight. Do they have a name? No. Okay. <laughs> no, um. That's a fair answer. Uh, they go, Hi, oh, my name is I Art, can, I can Art, send you Art Bedley. The li- okay.
1: Well, Mr. Bedley, uh, sorry. uh, Oh, please.
0: Acolyte. Acolyte. Acolyte
1: Bedley. Acolyte Bedley. That's far more appropriate. Excuse me. Um, Acolyte Bedley. What can you tell me about the Order of the Black Dog? Uh,
0: Well, well, they are a, uh, and you see Acolyte Art Bedley kind of straighten their back and try to appear a little more professional than they had at first. Um, And they almost take on the demeanor of a like art museum tour guide uh, where they go, the Order of the Black Dog is a fairly recent addition to the tower. And yet, despite their recent addition, they have grown dramatically. Uh, their, their their deity, uh, who is the appropriately titled Black Dog, as far as we know, uh, some folks have also referred to it as the Grim, uh, is a being that we don't really know that much about. Um, it, its followers seem to think that It has a more physical approach to this world, uh, unlike most of the other deities, which work in mysterious ways. Uh, And you see them think for saying, go, or do not work in mysterious ways. We don't really know. Um, (laughs) Almost trying to mimic, you can tell like in that moment, like their demeanor changes slightly and they're almost trying to mimic cleric uh, check.
1: You don't have to dance around the issue with
0: me, Accolade Bentley, just say what you think. They look around slightly and just go, "Okay, but you won't you won't tell on me, right?" Of course not. I wouldn't dream of it. They've grown so rapidly, and they are very fervent in their beliefs. It's it's a little fanatical. It's it's a little much for my taste. Fanatical, fanatical about what? What are their tenets? What do they believe
1: beyond believing in this black dog?
0: Uh, They believe that the black dog will. Lead them to a promised land, uh, um, and they scratch their head, try and think, um, and they believe that the black dog is a savior. I guess they they see the black dog as being the one who will help them in these trying times.
1: Hmm. I that's, don't... that's strange. A promised land. We um. Hmm. We had one of those, and uh, it was nice, I remember it, it was my home, and then the undead kind of came and took it. Did, are they thinking of going back? Or are I they don't... talking about finding something new?
0: I really don't know, but what, whatever they say at those meetings just, it started off just a few folks and then someone commissioned a painting to hang here and now people have come in droves. It's. Well, oh, it's the I've power never... of
1: good marketing. I have to give them that.
0: They, they do have that. art. Uh, acolyte Art just kind of like nods and looks down that way of like, yeah, you're not wrong really there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but they look and you go, I'm really sorry. I haven't really ever talked with anyone of the order. Um, but, th- you know, if you see them out and about, they're not hard to miss. You know, big white really? banners, black dog on it. Um, they, as far as I can tell, there's some of them that operate all under the radar, but there are some that are out and proud, just like marching through the frontier, letting people know about the Grim. Which if you want to get a religion going, it's
1: okay, so they're very actively proselytizing. That's fascinating. How do they come across when they do meet here? Do they seem very loud and angry? Are they calm?
0: They're calm in the tower. I don't know if they were told to be or they are just Very. They pay their respects very carefully to the mural, to the shrine. Um. They clearly believe to their core, and you know, you know the theories about deities, right? I've heard many, but I don't know the one that you mean. Well, cleric check is you know, he's agnostic. He is of the stance that any of the deities could or could not exist. I'm sure he's, you probably noticed him kind of marking his words a little bit as he spoke. Yes, yes I did. Um, That's not out of deference to religion or trying not to step on any toes. It's because, well, belief is power. The more people believe in a deity the more their strength grows according to some scholars according to some of the old clerics and so the way cleric Czech teaches us it's that if power comes from belief to be for us to be outside of the influences of these beings it's more powerful simply not to believe and but if explains it. But that's how all these new deities have popped up is people crossed the Star Reach Mountains, they lost faith and found faith again in new beings. I I think we're in a time of change, and I don't know what's next for us.
1: Neither do I. It's frightening to think that all that we had couldn't be carried across the mountains with us not even our own faiths that we had to leave those behind too but given the nightmares that happened i can't blame anyone for leaving them behind either you mentioned that these people gather under white banners is there any place where you've noticed them congregating outside of the tower
0: their biggest congregation left the city a few months ago it's they seem to be moving but Folks still come back to the tower. They're out in the frontier now.
1: Frontier in the desert. Uh, And they're not. Finding random people. I see. Your guess is as good as mine. I just have one more question. You wouldn't happen to know any of them by name, frequent visitors. You wouldn't happen to keep
0: logs, remember people who are like frequent speakers here or anything like that. They push their glasses up. And go, no, I don't know any names. Um, there was just earlier this week, uh, well, there was, a, there was a, a young woman who kind of stood out to me a little bit. Just um, she wasn't in the normal, you know, garb or anything like that. She wasn't in robes. Tell me about her. Um, well, I'm not sure what else to say. She was very polite and respectful. She came, she kneeled, she said a few words at the altar and then she headed home she seemed perfectly nice uh blue dress dark hair just kind of tied up in a bun it was she was she seemed like anyone I, out in the frontier
1: i thought it must be
0: thank oh thank you it's for your help friend of yours
1: <laughs> uh acquaintance former former uh client actually oh but i don't pry into my client's private affairs it's impolite thank oh. you for your help acolyte um Bedley?
0: Bedler? Be- Bedley. 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 Act like Art Bedley. They push their glasses back up, kind of, that were starting to slide down their nose. It was lovely to meet
1: you, Mr. Yeah, I'll extend my name to this person. Uh, Mr. Valfierno.
0: Valfierno, Val it, it was lovely to meet you. Uh, me they, too. they shake your hand and descend back down the tower. Uh, you're left alone with the shrine and your thoughts. We're going to cut to Blaze. This tall elven man has begun to, one arm around your shoulders, lead you through the city streets. He makes idle talk, and he pulls out a newspaper from under his other arm and kind of whips it open and begins just kind of casually reading as he's walking through the streets. Just, oh, can you believe it? Let's see. Barbarian Poet House, a smash hit. Lovely, lovely. Um, Cats out of the bag. Tabaxi celebrities dating. Oh, I love a little hot goss, don't you?
3: I think you're being kidnapped.
0: Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah,
2: that's what Goblin thinks. Goblin thinks Blaze is being kidnapped. But um, I should know, Blaze is very uncomfortable with this whole situation.
0: No, yeah, he continued to lead you reading out headlines and talking about them. Ooh, Bastion Slasher strikes again. Ooh, a little bit of dark, gritty crime for you. Lovely, lovely. I'm
3: sorry, there's a fucking serial killer in this city. Are we going to have to deal with a serial killer at some point here? Oh, Blaze is going to murder this
2: serial killer. <laughs>
0: But this man continues to drag through streets, uh, flipping through newspaper, uh, reading headlines until he finally gets to one. That's it's a relatively small newspaper uh, article, but he goes, ah, there it is. This is what I wanted to show you. And he kind of licks his thumb and flips the paper over to fold it uh, and shows you a headline that just says "Rogues Gallery Now Open: Art Center for Rehabilitating Rogues." Uh, and you like that's kind of the tagline. Um, he goes, I think you might. Uh, Find there's more to meet the eye with myself and with our little group here.
2: Oh, so uh, so you're part of part of this uh, organization that's that's in the paper.
0: He kind of rolls his eye and slightly and goes, "Yeah, yes, that's we were we were being kind of coy about it, having fun, but yes."
2: Well, I you know I I just wanted to be to be clear. I tend to like to know people who are kidnapping me.
0: Oh, friend! No, no. Kidnapping is such a strong word. This is more of a uh an opportunity that I am looking to share with you.
2: Yeah, you're being kidnapped. Uh, what, uh, I just have uh, have curiosity, and I'm sure I'll find out eventually. But um, what what kind of opportunity?
0: Well, you're not very good at roguery. I think we can uh, both yeah. agree on that.
2: Yeah. Uh, we we. Can't agree, among other things, uh, but robberies—the the big thing.
0: Yes, I literally watched you fail at taking candy from a baby. So,
2: to be fair, I was not taking the candy from the baby. The the child um extorted me.
0: The man smirks you and just goes, "Yes, that is not better, but okay, you were extorted by a child, but you have heart. You have a passion, and I I like to see that. So." I guess what I'm looking for is someone I can mold. Someone who's interested in improving, who has, you know, that raw potential, but like a block of clay needs to be molded and cut down into the right shape.
2: Uh, well, I mean, I, I, you know I, I'm not an yeah, earth genasi. I'm, I'm not made of literal clay.
0: No, I know. You're fire. I can, I can see it well. I can see a lot about you. Uh, and those amber eyes seem to shimmer and shift color slightly.
2: Mm, goblin doesn't like that.
0: And then he goes, and we're here. And you see in beautiful letters on a sign, uh, the rogues gallery. Uh, and looking through the windows, it appears to be an amateur art studio uh, and gallery place.
2: Does this guy like open the door or whatever? Because if not, I'm just going to walk in.
0: Yeah, no, he he kind of gestures for you to walk in and you do. Uh, there's folks of all kinds in there. And some are kind of talking to a reporter about the piece they worked on, uh, There's sculptures and paintings. And it does all look very um, amateurish. It's folks who clearly don't. But then there are some that seem to be getting better and better with, there are paintings with beautiful brushstrokes and sculptures that seem to have been taken from the imagination of someone and directly placed into no, marble. No, wait,
3: that's English.
0: And he says, so let me ask you this, Blaze Barnsdale, right?
3: Uh
2: yes,
0: I thought so. What if I told you that we can improve your skills? We can help train you, the the rogues here, in more ways than you might expect. Would you like that? Would you like to join the Rogues Gallery?
2: Uh well I'd I'd certainly be interested, but I'm uh, I'm not much of an an artist.
0: The man laughs slightly at your statement of not being an artist and just goes, Blaze everyone's an artist it's just about finding yours why don't we go into the back room and see if maybe you like our uh, studio space a little bit more than the gallery space here he leads you back behind the desk um the front like desk counter and into a door that says um artists only he leads you back through a hallway and into what appears to be almost a dojo of sorts where there are folks in rogue gear sparring and practicing pickpocketing and he goes we're not just an art studio in case that wasn't clear
2: uh no no that that was clear but given i mean given that the art studio is, is a front i i don't think i'd be much help um with with that part unless you've got like a a wood any sort of wood burning type of that i mean I'm probably could be okay with okay at
0: we can find you some wood as i said it's part of the training. So what do you say? Do you want to be a member of the Rogues Gallery? And he extends a hand to you.
2: Uh, Blaze is going to shake shake his hand very gingerly, just sort of like in the sort of sense of like Blaze. I imagine is being made of fire, very hot, and it's like, don't burn this man! Don't burn this man! Don't don't burn his hand with your hand. <laughs> um, sort of. That's sort of what's going through their brain at the moment.
0: Uh, The man actually squeezes your hand slightly, but not in that way of like macho man squeezing your hand to establish dominance. It is just a firm, solid handshake. And he smiles at you revealing rows of pointed teeth.
2: Oh, hmm, that's mm, lovely detail. Good. uh, hmm, Yep.
0: So glad to have you join us, Blaze. I know there will have a lot of fun together. And we're going to cut to...
2: Blaze is immediately regretting their decision. You <laughs> <laughs> should have just taken the candy from the fucking baby.
0: <laughs> there so many options of how today could have gone for Blaze. Uh, Roslyn. Hello. Last we left off, you had been rifling through Director Andromeda Ellison's desk when you were alerted to a small sound behind you. The lights of the room suddenly illuminate. Uh, glass flame lamps glowing brighter. And whipping around, you see Simon, Andromeda's relatively small human assistant with little round glasses. He's still wearing his vest, but it's unbuttoned. He's clearly not like clean and dressed like he would be for like a day's work bright and early in the morning. Uh, And his hair is even a little bit disheveled. Uh, And he just looks at you for a second.
4: Rosalind is going to keep looking at him. She's not going to speak first.
0: Uh, He begins signing to you. Uh, And you see his cufflinks have little runes on them and they begin to translate the frontier sign language that Simon is speaking. Uh, And you hear essentially his voice speak out to you and just go, oh, Agent uh, Fairchild. What brings you to the agency this late?
4: I could ask you the same question.
0: He kind of looks at you a little bit confused and signs and the runic cufflinks again speak out. Well, I didn't leave. I'm still working. Why? You're not supposed to be in Director Ellison's office.
4: Working? What are you working on this late?
0: Well, we're, I'm sure you probably heard Director Ellison and I, you know, when you were leaving, but we're, we have some plans in motion, but we're, you know, we don't want to jinx anything. We don't want to speak too soon or celebrate, but we, we're feeling good about our next steps, but it requires some work and some planning. Um, and frankly, he looks down and stops signing for a second. and You can tell he's not sure how much to tell you, but he kind of takes a deep breath and steadies himself and just goes, look, your mission report, I, I think it shook Director Ellison. She's She is steady as a rock, but she's been through a lot. And I think she does not want you to ever be in that position again. So we have been working really hard to figure some things out.
4: Well, I'm glad that she wants us to be safe, I guess.
0: Uh, He quickly signs, we both do.
4: Simon, what aren't you guys telling us? Is there something dangerous that we need to know about?
0: Roll insight for me real quick. Sure.
4: Oh, nice. I rolled a 16 and I have a plus four to insight. So that is an unnatural 20.
0: You can tell he looks incredibly uncomfortable by that question. And he has to think <laughs> for a solid like 30 seconds of how uh, to respond what to aren't it.
3: are they telling us?
0: And he begins to sign and he says, I don't know what my place is to tell you some things, but We are doing everything we can to keep you all safe, but you know, the city, the people need you. This agency is important. And I mean, you have to know that it's not like it's a particularly safe job. You are a new agent. What do you think happened to the last team?
4: That's a great question, Simon. And I'm gonna hold up the folder that I was looking at what did happen to them.
0: You're holding up the folder of the next team. Yep. <laughs> he looks at and goes, oh no, I, there's, there's been a misunderstanding. Um, I think a little bit of a miscommunication. That's not what that is. Um, that's not about you or the last team. It's, it's a little bit of a surprise actually, but we-
4: So you won't mind if I, if I open this and read it then?
0: I mean, you can if you want to. It's nothing to be hidden, but just know, just to answer your question before you look at that folder, which you can, you can, I promise. Um, there's nothing, yeah, you can look in that folder in just a minute. The last team was killed. And wow. the fact that you went into a mission where we were lied to and didn't realize it, it's scary. And we never want that to happen again. So that's what that folder is. It is not the next team. It is another team. It is an expansion. We're putting together a team to do the investigating for us, to gather these missions for you all so that we don't go into things blind.
4: Rosalind is going to sit down behind Andromeda's desk and open the
0: file. No, that's not your desk. Your desk is in the other room. Don't. She's very particular about her chair. Roslyn
4: is going to make direct eye contact as she sits very slowly.
0: Uh, Simon looks flustered. He is sweating a little bit. He clearly is like, oh, like panicking a little bit just because no one sits in that seat. Um, And yeah, so you're looking at the folder? Yes. It is exactly what Simon just described. It is the logistics of finances of potential uh, individuals to be part of an investigations team um it's dossiers for those folks it's um requirements it's things that that she would be looking for things like you know stealth abilities conversationalists um folks who are good at getting information and being stealthy about it yeah and that's pretty much all there is in that folder uh except i'm sorry you do see some um unsigned contracts as well that have been written up offering those roles there's three of them
4: so some interesting information simon would be good to have a team that has our back with getting information exactly I'm still curious though why are you still here this late to work on that wouldn't a clear head in the morning be better
0: he kind of chuckles a little bit and signs yeah i used to, i have a lot of late nights in the office sometimes
4: that's not good maybe you should see someone about that a sleep therapist maybe do you
0: know what I'm sure I could find you one. Ooh, yes, please. I would love that.
3: You gotta get Simon a melatonin hookup. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, you know what? Do you have a minute, Simon?
0: Uh, he looks at a pocket. He pulls a pocket watch out of his pocket, clicks it open. It's like 3 a.m. at this point, And just goes, signs. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. So yeah, I got all the time in the world.
4: So the light that's in this room, what kind of light is it? Is it like a light bulb? Is it?
0: Uh, they're like know? the the wall mounted gas lamps that there used okay. to be where, you know, you turn the knob and light yeah. it and it's the constant gas flow keeps it lit, but you can also just turn the knob to turn it off again.
4: Is there more than one in this room or just the one?
0: Uh, there's four kind of around the room, essentially giving it a nice light.
4: Okay. So Rosalind is going to walk around the room and turn three of them off. And then she's going to pull something out of her pocket.
0: Oh God, what? (laughs) Now (laughs) I'm scared.
4: (laughs) So one of the things that uh, Rosalind has now is a circle of stars druid. She has a star map. Um, And I have chosen for mine to be in sort of a crystalline form. And with this form specifically because I'm taking this from Tasha's instead of making like a super specific one for now. Rosalind is going to hold her star map in front of the light. And it projects the night sky up onto the ceiling and walls of Andromeda's office.
0: That is the most beautiful thing. And Simon is just looking all around in just complete amazement.
4: Why don't we just hang out for a minute, Simon.
0: He smiles at you, kind of finally relaxing for the first time since he kind of discovered you in Andromeda's office and goes, I would like that. And we are going to cut to Talon. The fights that you have been watching as you wait for your turn have gotten more and more intense. And you yourself have actually worked your way up the bracket until finally Mm -hmm. uh, it is the championship fight. People are hollering and just going wild. People are throwing money quite literally into the ring, depending on which side. Some people are throwing it behind you, and some are throwing it behind your opponent, the Black Bandit. The gnome announcer uh, grabs up his runestone microphone and goes, Well, this is it, people. Just two competitors remaining. In this corner, we have Talon. And there is a decent cheer for you. It's not like you don't have fans at this point. But then he announces the Black Bandit, and there is just wild applause. Uh, the Black Bandit is the champion. The gnome announcer goes, And tonight, of course there are winnings, but we are introducing... And he pulls out a belt, um, like a championship belt. It is a dark leather um, with what appears to be polished silver on the front. Oh, uh, yeah. And in uh, carefully carved letters, it says... Uh, UFG Underground Fight Ring, uh, Championship One.
3: Wow, they really, they really aren't going for subtle anymore. Okay, cool. I'm gonna display this and get arrested so fast.
0: Underneath, underneath that part of it, it does also have engrave. But shush, don't tell anyone.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> they used to be subtle. They used to be subtle. I'd like that in canon. They, they're not anymore.
0: Oh, absolutely. And even the introduction of the belt, uh, I think Talon probably realizes this has almost gone commercial in a weird way. Yeah. Um, Like it used to be like back alleys and like moving from like neighbor's basement to neighbor's basement each night. And all of a sudden, I don't think Talon's probably gone in a few weeks, but it seems like this is a more established location as well, given the ring. And there are enough people where it's like, there's no way this is a well-known secret.
3: Oh my God um tell a new fight club
0: (laughs) that i would absolutely respect that if that's what you want to do on the uh i'm calling these kind of in between episodes bastion days um which is your days in the city if you want to do that i fully respect that but for now you are in a fighting rink um the championship fighter the one who has won clearly many times before this is facing off against you um you cannot tell uh their race uh they are shorter than you they are pretty lithe, dressed head to toe in black uh and they lock eyes with you and you can see something in those eyes that you roll insight for me
3: fuck yeah okay i literally rolled a 10 what's my insight modifier minus one that's a nine
0: you can't tell the emotion that those eyes shine but they shine in emotion
3: great cool they sure they're sure an emotion
0: there there is an emotion behind those eyes and as you're like oh i recognize that emotion what emotion is that the bell rings what's a feeling (laughs) oh so as you're thinking that the bell rings this is going to be a little bit different from the past round where you just kind of rolled a strength check and knocked normally out in one punch um (laughs) this is going to be a little bit more of a fight beautiful uh, go ahead and roll initiative for me.
3: Huh. Yes. Here's my dice All right. That was a six plus one.
0: So a natural 20 is going to beat that. The Black Bandit is going to go first.
3: No, really? I never would have guessed.
0: <laughs> 20 is more than six. I know I'm not great at math, but last I checked. Oh. Now
2: I'm terrible at math, and even I know. Six is not greater than 20. And I did almost say the
0: reverse. We know this and we love you. I really did think you were about to mess that up for a second.
2: That's why I paused because I was like, no, don't say it. Don't say the wrong one.
0: The Black Bandit, again, you can only see their eyes, but they they smile with their eyes as they approach you with astonishing speed. And they close in and basically put one leg behind yours and try to almost judo push you down. Judo is not the right word. They put one leg behind yours and strike at your chest, basically trying to knock you off balance. Does a, oh gosh, does a 19 hit?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, that hits. I'm over here trying to figure out like what my, what my um, uh, thing is without, a, um, without armor and uh, you, you have um, destroyed me.
0: <laughs> they only do two damage to you and they actually catch you. So they are basically dipping you and they lean down and whisper in your ear, Well howdy partner. Didn't think I'd be seeing you around these parts.
2: Oh my goodness. I fucking knew yes. it. I fucking knew it, Piper.
0: I and fucking Talon knew it. Talon, you recognize those eyes, and suddenly this mysterious black bandit becomes someone all too familiar. It's Coyote.
3: Oh my goodness. Okay. It's your turn. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Okay, bare knuckles fighting. How do you do unarmed strikes again?
0: You attack with your strength modifier, and then it is traditionally just one point of damage. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I hate that about D&D. So I'm going to say you can roll a D4 plus your strength modifier for damage.
3: Fantastic. Because you're big and beefy. Absolutely. Let's see. Okay, I rolled a 13 plus 4, so that's 17, right? Yeah, that absolutely hits. (laughs) fantastic let me roll a d4 real fast let's say three plus four seven damage
0: yeah and what were you doing to attack
3: (laughs) oh um i i want to fake a low kick and then just and then when she looks down for it to like lock to dodge whatever to like track the kick i want a decker
0: Yeah, um, you begin to sweep your leg slightly and she actually jumps into the air in anticipation, looking down. Slightly. And she looks up as your leg stops and you can just see uh, on her face a look of, oh, as you punch her in the chest and she slides backwards and kind of does a little somersault and then pops back up. Uh, she lets out a light laugh actually at that and goes, all right, that's how we're doing it. I like it. <laughs> she takes a uh, running start at you and jumps trying to flip and basically grab your shoulders and slam you to the ground with her momentum. Does a 13 hit.
3: Okay, I still haven't figured out what my art armor class is without armor.
0: It is 10 plus your decks, yes, thank you.
3: Oh, in okay. that case, I
0: only have an 11. Okay, so a 13 hits. They grab your shoulders, or she grabs your shoulders uh, as she gracefully through the air, and basically grabbing onto your, essentially kind of your collarbone almost, pulls you backwards And you land on your back. She spins in the dust and smiles down at you. Go ahead and take two damage. Beautiful. I rolled a lot of twos today. Excellent. I'm on my back on the ground. Yep. And she's looking down at you with a smile.
3: This is romance. This is what romance is. 100%. (laughs) Well, I don't exactly need my speed. So I'm definitely going to get up and just basically attempt a body slam. All right. That's a nine plus four. So that's a 13. Does
0: that hit that does not hit you try to body slam into her as you get up and she definitely just kind of almost body rolls out of the way as you uh whip by and she is going to grab your hand as you pass and spin you into her i really um, should
3: have kept my armor
0: <laughs> as she does there is a loud crash from above this is different you hear people in the audience who were cheering and shouting and throwing coins all of a sudden start to go like murmur and be unsure you clearly
3: haven't been through enough police raids (laughs) oh yeah it's totally this is totally the cops
0: how did you guess it you hear the voice of that young drow man from earlier shout wait wait you can't go in uh and then another crash and heavy footfalls begin to make their way down the wooden stairs you hear someone in the crowd yell it's the militia and he grabs up an ale glass, throws it on the ground, and yells, scatter!
3: I meet Coyote's eyes, and I say, may I, may I have this dance? And then I grab her hand, and I bolt for the nearest exit.
0: Yeah, she holds on tight as y'all move through the crowd. Uh, she occasionally yells like, oh, go left, go left! Uh, kind of almost steering y'all through. Um, and you make it to the other side of the room, and she lifts up a, um, or not lifts up, she uh, basically moves a crate over to the side slightly and there is a small tunnel that you can escape out of. Behind you, you watch as the militia begin um, arresting some folks, but mostly just kind of dispersing it. It doesn't look like they're there to end it, just kind of clear it up as much as possible. Oh,
3: so basically, this is just as, as um, commercialized as everything else about this. <laughs>
0: You are Yeah, you're not thrilled with where the fighting leak is gone. Yeah, and you probably shake your head a little bit as you fi- go through that tunnel that Coyote led you to. Uh, and after moving through kind of almost crawl spaces and the spaces between walls, you finally make your way up and up and up and out of this building. And you find yourselves on the connected rooftops of the many buildings of Bastion. The fights took some time and the sun has set far beyond the horizon. And Coyote, uh, taking off the mask, uh, lets down her long, her uh, sandy brown hair in the braid, and she smiles at you and goes, well, I'm sorry we couldn't finish that little match, but she smiles at you, looks up at the many stars and goes, this ain't a bad way to end the night.
3: Oh, damn, I need a I need a response to this. Hey, does anyone know how to flirt? Can anyone help me crowdsource the response to this? <laughs>